Good morning, kings and priests. I love saying that because that's what the, that's what the Lord sees us as as kings and priests. One of the things that the Lord showed me is that one of the things that keeps us seeing that is worry or concern. We call worry concern, but if you look up concern, it says worry, and if you look up worry, it says concern. So it's actually the same thing. But what it does, what worry and concern does is keep our, our sight here instead of here. I know one of the things that used to keep me up at night was debt. I was always worried about debt. And I used to think about it in the middle of the night and it would keep me from sleeping. And I, don't, I know that's not the Lord. You know, he says, oh, no man, nothing except the debt of love. But, you know, we do stuff. Anyway, it used to keep me up at night, and finally, I started using my words and my authority and said, Lord, I need you to take this debt. I give it to you in Jesus' name. And it works. Use your words. If you have a worry for something, health, um, finances, debt, kids, grandkids, there's multiple opportunities of things we can worry about multiple opportunities but know that the Lord is more concerned about it than you are speak to the Lord give it to the Lord it says the Lord's yoke is easy and his burden is light he doesn't want us worrying he wants to live us a, he wants us to live a joyful happy life so we had talked a little bit this morning about you know what we were going to talk about uh, but during worship, immediately I saw this picture of um, a packet of seeds. When you, when you go to the store and you see all those little seeds and all those bright, uh, those bright uh, flowers and vegetables, and you look at it and you go, oh, that looks good. And then you take it home and you open up the package and there's just this little black speck in there. And... Um, you're like, no, this doesn't look anything like the package. But really what it is, is that's the way the Lord sees us. He says, he's like, oh, there you are, Judy. He says, look at how bright and beautiful you are. This is the way I see you. And so um, what happens is we're like, well, yeah, if I'm, if I'm all that, how come I have all this tribulation going on in my life? How come it's not perfect? How come it's not, um, you know, sunny days? But the, what the Lord shows is that he is the good and faithful gardener. He is the one, he says, just stay planted. Just keep your eyes on me. And I'm going to be the one who's going to bring you up. You know, some, some packages say, needs this much time in the soil, needs this much time, you know, before free, after freezing. And so um, what it is, all we have to do is just, just stay in the Lord's care. Don't um, unplant ourselves because... You know, because we don't look like an oak, or we don't look like a, a cedar, or we don't look like a, a fully grown rose bush. So our our job is not to compare ourselves to others. Our job is just to stay planted 
and rooted and uh, trust that he's going to, in the right season, he's going to bring the water that you need. He's going to bring the light that you need. And if you just stay, just stay there, just stay there. It's awesome because he takes care of, he takes care of all the, um, like, like aphids and like for us, we have, we have deer. Um, actually, it was funny. We had all four of our granddaughters over recently, and David's like, "Girls, girls, come here!" And there was some deer, uh, you know, encroaching in the yard, and they're eating some of the weeds. And the girls are sitting there watching quietly, and they get close to our flowers, and they all four of them they scream. They're like, "No!" And obviously they were loud enough because that deer, it heard the girls and it took off. And so, uh, so that's our father. He is the one who is protecting us. We are his garden. And when we see ourselves as, you know, I'm kind of limp, I feel kind of dry, I'm, I'm not producing, I'm not as beautiful as, he's, he says, here's the picture. This is the complete picture. He says, I see you beautiful. I see you complete. I see you life-giving. And so uh, just stay in that place. Just stay planted. And as far as being debt-free, I'm not there yet, but I'm definitely not losing any sleep over it anymore. <laughs> I keep my relationship this way, and I get sweet sleep. Um, I'd like to ask uh, if any of the ministry team has some uplifting stuff to say or some testimonies. Wow. <laughs> I think we're all excited about our guest speaker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Galen, Danette, welcome. Hey, don't, don't, don't come up yet, though. Don't come up yet. <laughs> I want to introduce you in a, in a hearty Legacy City Church way. But... I just want to make sure if it, any of you on the prophetic ministry team, if you have a word for anyone in this body, just come up real quick. If not, we'll move forward. Okay. Well, I just wanted to briefly share, you know, during worship, um, we were singing that, that song, The Victory is Yours, You're Riding on the Storm. And I had that picture of George Washington on that ship, the, on, what's the battle called? Everyone's probably seen that. The Delaware, yes, he's on the, the Delaware. <clears throat> he's at the head of the ship. And I just had that picture, you know, that is Jesus. Jesus, our King, is inviting you and me to step into the boat with him. And the victory is his. You know, if those guys on that ship knew what would happen in the victory, in the end picture of what this country would become, I'm not sure exactly what was in their hearts at the moment, but we know with Jesus the victory is won, and we know what the end picture is. So as we stand with him, if we, if we get up close to him and stand in his victory, and we declare his victory over us, we receive his peace. You know, he gives us his peace. He calms the storms. There may be stuff all around us, but we get to stand in that place of peace because Jesus, our King, is the captain of the ship, and he knows where the ship is going. He knows the end result. So I just want to encourage you guys with that. Um, yeah, just he, he has peace for you. 
whatever, whatever storm you're facing, whatever situation, he is peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So I want Tammy to get up here too. And Galen and Danette, if you guys would just stand between us for a second. Why don't you get on one side? You guys just come up here for a second. Well, not for a second. You're going to be up here probably for, what, four hours? Is that what you... Three and a half. Oh, that's right, because we got some of it last night. So, <laughs> so I'm going to read something real quick here, a scripture, and then I'm going to explain why these guys are here. Is that okay? You guys good? Everybody doing good? Okay. Ephesians chapter 2 says in verse 19, So then you are no longer aliens or strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, members of the household of God, built on... A foundation. This foundation, it says, is the foundation of apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Tammy and I were pretty much wrecked for a particular way of building years ago. We are convinced that the biblical picture is that the church would have a foundation of apostolic and prophetic gift, gifting or input. We are establishing a church in Bremerton, this Legacy City Church is being established and it's our heart and I think we've made it pretty clear over the last year that it's, it's in our heart to have an apostolic prophetic foundation. Four years ago, when we came to McMinnville, Oregon as strangers, Tammy and I were desperate. We knew that we had church planting as a call inside of us, but we didn't really know what to do, where to start, if we should find a church that would, would build a team with us. We really didn't know what to do. But one thing we knew is we needed to hear a prophetic word. We needed to get in a prophetic environment. So we made our way down to McMinnville into their house, into their church, for a conference. And that's where we received that word to go plant that church. But we didn't realize the, the building that we were standing in had a, a builder and his wife, builders, that founded that church that had an apostolic gifting in their life. And we didn't know that they would eventually be a, a relationship that we hold on to for dear life, basically. So as I'm introducing these guys, Galen and Danette to Tammy and I are like mom and dad, church mom and dad. You know, I always want to make sure I honor my parents. They are my natural parents. And I honor them and my mother-in-law right here. Sorry, I just got you with that cord. But in the church, in the kingdom, there are fathers and mothers. And there are gifts, gifts that Christ gave to the church. He gave apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers to equip the saints. So we have a relationship with these guys. We value them so much that even if this thing was to turn sideways and, and go in different directions, we would probably just move down to McMinnville, really, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> if, if they would receive us. 
But, but I just, I got to say that in four years, when we were just a small handful of us for a couple years in our living room, they believed in what God put in our hearts. They cheered us on the whole time. They kept on encouraging us, saying, I think things are coming together just in the right timing and just the right way. Now here we are today. This isn't their first time here, but we want to receive them as an apostolic voice, as an apostolic relationship, as an apostolic mom and dad to this house. And so I would encourage you guys, as that scripture says, if you receive a prophet in the prophet's name or gifting, then you'll receive the prophet's reward. We want to receive an apostolic reward. We want to receive what God has for us through their ministry. So I would encourage you guys just to uh, turn your ears on and, and receive them. And uh, yeah, we, lo we love you guys. You. And we're going to hand you. it over. Thank you. It's a delight to be here. Um, yeah, that we're just really a product of people seeding into our lives and seeing the potential in us way back in the day when we were just seeds. <laughs> we weren't sprouting anything beautiful, just little seeds, you know, but someone believed in us. But it's a delight to be here. And uh, Galen and I have been happily married, just celebrated our 38th wedding anniversary. Ah, oh, time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> it's hard to believe. I say that and I kind of pinch myself. I said, how do we get here this fast, one day at a time? Um, we have uh, been joyfully serving our church, New Horizons. It's about 35 miles due southwest of Portland. And we've been there serving our church for 38 years. Well, the church is 40, 40 years old. 40, wow. And um, what a delight. But uh, anyways, we are parents of two grown children. I have a married daughter who has a wonderful son in love who have gifted us with our first grandchild. He's one years old. And the delight of our heart, we just love being grandparents. And uh, then we have a son who's 28, and he helps with the worship team. My daughter also helps. She gives direction to the worship team in our church and served in that capacity for many years. And then my son also serves in our church, he helps with uh, church administration. He's a real smart boy, and we're just delighted to uh, serve together, our family. So God bless you, City Legacy Church. We, you have family down south. We feel like we have family up here, and when we connect, and it's just a beautiful thing when we just, it's the, the love of Christ that unites us all. So common thread. So God bless you, and thank you, and we love serving these two and at whatever capacity that we can. Uh, delightful, delightful couple in every way. Not only great church leaders, but stellar parents, fruit abounding. I'm just proud of you guys. God bless you. Yay. Thank you, Jeanette, for sharing. Scott and Tammy, so fun to be here with you guys again. We really love these guys. Our whole church loves these guys and, uh, and, uh, and what God is doing here in, uh, in your midst. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. And uh, we've just been having fun these last 40 years of uh, pastoring our church. And uh, uh, I got started a couple years before she showed up at the church. That's how we met. Yeah, I, I went, traveled the whole world over, and 
finally sat tied right in my church and said, baby, come to me right here. And she came, she just came in. She was in awe. <laughs> Actually, she thought I was married to my sister. My, one of my sisters was a part of our ministry team too. And, and uh, right? Yeah, you thought maybe my sister and I were married. Oh, cool. <laughs> hey, I was reminiscing uh, while I was just over the side here kind of worshiping and um, I'm one of these guys in worship, I got to kind of move around a little bit. And, and uh, if I do that right in the front row in front of you, you some of you wouldn't see the screen as I get all over the place, you know. So it's a little easier for me just to kind of step off the side here when we're in close quarters like this. But um, I was reminiscing a little bit as I saw you young people and I was reminiscing about time in my life when uh, um, I remember as a kid, I, I was so privileged to be able to raise in a home with a mom and dad who really loved Jesus and, and actually grandparents too. And I know that's not always like uh, the norm of many people's lives, but it was a part of my life. And, and um, I'm just sort of like super grateful. And, um, but I remember as a kid, because I would have dreamed so much about uh, how God would work in my life. That's what I would dream about. I spent a lot of my time. I dream about how God's going to work in my life. Uh, I'm wondering about, uh, you know, business. My dad was in the realm of business and such. And so that was an important part of my dreams and, and trying to imagine. And, and, and imagination uh, would just run with all that. And I never, ever saw myself as a pastor or a leader in the church, although, although all I knew was about serving people and seeing people blessed and such. So the notion of me being a part of, of, of church life and the kingdom of God and extending the kingdom wasn't um, a, a thought that was outside of my frame of reference. But in a role as a pastor or such, I, I didn't think along those lines. But when I was... Um, about six or seven years old, okay, uh, just a few years ago, and uh, it, was, um, it was a time when I remember of a guy who had come to our community, and we met at this Grange Hall, and he was talking about major God encounters, and I was like, I mean, we were part of this nice little community church, and we all loved Jesus, and we would come and sing the wonderful hymns and such. And I remember one of the favorites, and a few of you in the room might know this song as one of my favorite songs, and now the old hymn book was Standing on the Promises. Anybody in the room know that song? Yeah, okay, cool, okay. One of my favorites. Oh, man, I would love singing that song. Sometimes my dad, would he'd lead the singing, and... And we, we, we'd sing standing on the promises of God. So I was very oriented to the possibilities and the promises of God. And then this guy named Gerald Durstein come to town and he, he talks about this God encounter that he had. And I remember riding home in the back seat of my dad's 57 Chevy. And so we're riding home and, and uh, that was before we had seat belts. Anybody remember back that far here? A couple in the room, only a couple. Boy, I'm really dating myself now. But I, I, I slid up to the front seat like this, and I hung up to the front seat, and I'm just my little brother. I'm the oldest of five kids, and it was just my brother and me at that time. And, and I slid up the front seat, and I said, Mom and Dad, we, we, we want to see this kind of stuff in our church, see the power of God's presence. My heart was just hungry, 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 hungry. Now, I can tell you this, that you can't 
Others can help to whet our appetite. But I'm talking now to all of you kids and teenagers, okay? You are responsible for your own hunger and you are thirsting after God. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can feed you. In other words, you got to take a, this hunger and say, okay, God, I want you. I want you to be number one. I want you to be number one in my life. I want you to be the first of my life. I want to explore the possibilities of what my life could be if I walk with you, say. And you start that. And I see the kids when they're little, you know. And you want to cultivate that. So I'm, I'm talking to you teenagers, okay, you guys, you guys want to cultivate that. In other words, you want to keep that activated in your life. You want to look in the mirror and say, man, more important than anything else in this world, all these other cool dreams, but I'm going to be a passionate follower of Jesus Christ. Whoa. Because when you keep that determination before you and prominent in your heart and in your mind, possibilities of your life will unfold that you otherwise would never encounter or experience. That I'm certain of. It is how it works. Oh, I've seen, I've had some, and you know, that was Danette's heart when she was a kid. And, and so when, when we got together the first time, guess what we talked about? We got together the first time. We just talked about some of our spiritual dreams and things that God was doing within us. We talked one hour and a half and we got up and looked at each other and said, well, guess we're going to be married. <laughs> That's how it started. It wasn't like these pitter-patters and all the romance thing that goes with it, you know, in our, in our Western culture. And um, That's not wrong. I'm just telling you, though, when your passion is for Jesus and you meet that someone who has a like passion for Jesus, there's something of a cohesiveness that begins to happen. Then we look at each other and say, man, we've got to get to know each other here. Five months later, we were married. Oh, baby, it's been a great ride. Mm. She made a good choice. <laughs> I want to talk with you this morning. Oh, by the way, how many of you, when you came up, drove up here to this building today, how many of you were in awe at the foundation? I mean, you just drove up and you go, wow, I know there's a foundation here. It's amazing. Now, Scott read a scripture. How many of you remember, talks about the apostles and prophets, the foundation of Christ's church. Well, that's just it. Apostles and prophets are really a foundation. In other words, sometimes invisible, but they help to provide a stability upon which others can build. Okay? And, and, so, and so when you're talking about uh, the ministry of an apostle and prophets and such, it's foundational, say, and then, and, then, and then pastors and teachers and such, they come along and add life and beauty and people gather together and you have the evangelist that moves in great anointing and power explaining the way to Jesus and equipping others and such. But apostles and prophets are foundational. And so saying all of that to simply say, it's, it's whatever God calls us to, is noble, but in the eyes of men and such, you know, sometimes we look for the grandiose. But what's really important in our lives is that make sure that we all personally are building on a good foundation, one. Secondly, as a gathering of people, we want to make sure we're building a good foundation. So that's part of what Danette and my role is just to cheer you guys on. Anything we can do just to, to, uh, to show honor, to show love, and show support, that's what we're into. So we were here last, what, in February, I think it was, 
And uh, we're just honored to be back here again today uh, with you guys. Uh, I've, I've got to share some things with you today about moving from desire to power. From desire to power. I'm talking about the desires of your heart that become this all-consuming thing as your heart beats with the heartbeat of heaven. And then you begin to see the manifestations of God's power and God's life flowing out of you. That's what makes life fun. And that can be your story from desire to power. It already is the story of many of you and some of you, particularly as you're in this role, growing up as kids and teenagers, you're in that process of figuring out who you are. And sometimes as adults, we can be way down the track and we're still trying to figure out who we are. <laughs> and, you know, the good news is we can discover who we are and then begin to help others in our world figure out who they are and who God has called them to be. That makes life fun. I can honestly say I've never had a dull, boring moment in my entire life. And it's not just a personality issue here. I'm telling you what, I have to turn down opportunities all the time. Opportunities, when I was a kid, I was turning down opportunities. Opportunities for business, one after the other, and I'm just a young guy. I'm opportunity because there's a fire lit in me as a kid, and I decided that I got to burn for Jesus and the glory of his presence and let it be an all-consuming fire in me. Yeah, life has been fun, and it still is. I had somebody ask me recently, said, Galen, you're, you're, you're like 65 years old, aren't you? Yeah, yeah I, I am. Well, aren't you about to retire? <laughs> I looked at him. Part of me was, I thought, that's just pitiful. Then inside, I got a little ticked off. <laughs> retire? Are you kidding me? Man, life is just really going really super well. I just kind of feel like I've got all this opportunity before me. Why would I want to go sit under a palm tree now? I love palm trees, by the way, but it's good to do now and then. But I've got to talk to you guys about moving from desire to power. I remember it's been a couple decades ago when this particular experience happened. Often at our church, we would have a couple Sunday morning, two Sunday morning services, and then we would come back at night at five o'clock, and sometimes our gatherings would go three, four, five to six hours, to where the glory of his presence would just roll and roll and roll, and people from all over would come, come from this way too. People would drive down from the greater Seattle area, and people from Northern California would come, and people from Idaho would come, because God's presence and power was so so amazing that we just all would marvel and we would just spend time basking in the glory of his presence. The same glory that you could just feel in the atmosphere here today, right here, okay? And there are degrees and dimensions of that glory as he or may or may not manifest and show himself in power, but it's all about him. And so <clears throat> lives are being changed and people sometimes would be on the floor, stuck to the floor for hours at a time and having absolutely getting y'all healed up on the inside and marriage is getting healed up and they get healed up from a lot of wounds of abuse issues and such and some would laugh and some would cry for hours at a time and one evening this one young man came and had to observe and I could sense his skepticism. I knew his mom and dad a little bit and 
he had been raised in a home but, and, and in a church and such, but here he is, 20-some years old, and he's somewhat disillusioned in life and trying to figure out who he was and where he was going, and he come and he stood at the back wall. So here he's watching in this room full of people, and the, this room was actually about double this size, so it, it wasn't a real big place at all. <clears throat> and uh, he's watching all these people being really, really impacted so after praying for a, a few dozens of people, we had about a team of 35 people that were highly trained and skilled in ministering to people. And, and so we're ministering to all of these people gathering. And finally, I, I, I stepped aside and <clears throat> the rest of the team, they're just going for it. And, and um, I looked over at him. He was off to the side of the room. And, and I just said to him, th- th- I just went like this. And it wasn't a suggestion. It was like, come, come over here. So he started walking towards me, and he took about five steps towards me. When he got about 10 feet away, maybe 12 feet away, about where Danette is, all I did was extend it towards my hand, my hand towards him. I said, Lord, bless him. The power of God hit him, threw him, picked him up off his feet, and back he went about 10 feet and on the floor. And the power of God, and he was stuck there for 45 minutes. In that 45 minutes, he laughed for a while, and then he cried for a while, and he laughed for a while, and he cried for a while took the smirk off of his face, turned it into laughter and turned it into the joy of the Lord. And he got up and says, wow, that's pretty powerful, dude. It's like, yeah, Jesus is pretty good. And I'll tell you what happened in that moment. In that moment, he decided, I think I'm going to yield my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. The manifested power of God forces people to decision. Somewhere in that same period of time, there was a fellow who had worked for me years earlier, and I hadn't seen him in about 15 years, and um, <clears throat> I'd gone into one of our uh, restaurants there one day, and I felt like God just said, you need to stop by, and I walked in, and I went over and sat down in one of my favorite uh, booth there, and, <clears throat> and I looked around the room, and I saw this guy across the room, and I go, I think that's Tommy. I, he used to work for me. And uh, so I got up and walked over and said, hey, you're Tommy, right? Yeah. I'm Galen. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember you, Mr. Gingrich. I remember you, yeah. And how's it going? He said, oh, not very good. Not very good at all. I said, what do you mean, man? He said, well, I said, I got a bad drug addiction. I lost my job. And, and um, he had really a great job and such. And he says, I'm, I'm just a mess. And he, as I begin to talk to him, the glory of the presence of Jesus on me was start impacting. He began to tremble in the presence of the Lord. He just began to tremble. And I said, well, Tommy, I said, uh, yeah, I'm sorry to hear how things aren't going well and such. And I said, you know, I, I want to I just pray for you. So I blessed him, prayed for him. I said, I just really feel like, Tommy, that you, you ought to come out on a Sunday morning and drop right. Oh, he said, I've never been to a church before. And and he said, the roof would fall in if I came. I said, oh, no, 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 you don't, you don't worry about that. I said, you, you don't feel God all right. But I said, there's something about this increased anointing here and the power of God that I think will bless you and such. And so a couple, three weeks later, I'm at our 830 service, and we had 830 and 1030 services. And so I'm at the 830 service, and I'd walked up to the front, and um, <clears throat> I'd put my Bible and some notes on the, the podium. And I looked down the hall, and, and, and the, the auditorium in the entranceway was like that way. And then there was windows on the side, and I looked out, and there was Tommy. He was walking towards the door. Tommy walks in, and Tommy walks in, 
and he comes in. I couldn't see the entrance because there's a little wall. He walks in, comes around the corner of the wall, and he grabs the wall and starts shaking. He says, God's here. God's here. True story. If he were here, he'd tell you just like that. He clung to this little wall, stub wall that stuck out, clung to it. I thought, oh, boy, this is good. This is good. Tommy's having an encounter with the almighty Christ. This is going to be a good day. So Tommy, uh, he's standing there trembling, hanging on the wall. So I go back to him, hey, Tommy, good to see you. And I said, hey, why don't you come with me? I said, you'll be, I, I don't know, I don't know, God's here, God's here. I said, yeah, yeah, he's here, it's going to be okay, it's all right. Why don't you come on in? So I, I, I walked with him. Uh, others hadn't started arriving yet. He was like 25 minutes early, and so I walked with him. And sat, he seen right up here against the window over here, about three rows back. In the front said, I'm going to be right up here, so just, just hang tight, dude. Everything will be okay, you know. I'm going to tell you what, from that day on, Tommy's life began to shift radically. Got him set free from all kinds of strongholds of the enemy and such. But when he experienced the power of God in a very real, tangible way, it brought him to a place of decision. And he serves the living Christ all the days of his life since then. Now, he, he's, he's a truck driver. That's his professional truck driver and He's really good, has been doing it for many years. Like I say, he, that's what he was. And then he got a, a, a drug addiction and he lost his job. And, and then after we got him freed up and healed up and such, his boss hired him back on. And he's one of the top drivers out of like 35 drivers or something. He's, he's a top dog now and uh, in terms of seniority. And so every now and then, I'll just text him a little bit. And I say, Holy Spirit, move on Tommy. He'll call me and say, Pastor Galen, don't do that. I'm trying to drive. <laughs> I said, you feeling God? Yeah, yeah. I said, okay, I won't pray anymore. I won't pray anymore. I, I don't want to cause a rack out there on the road, you know. I'm telling you, there was something of desire that moved to a power encounter with God that he's never been the, the, the same. He'd, ne he'd never been the same since that day. What I also want to communicate to us that every one of us, once our hearts are yielded to Jesus Christ, we can, we have his presence and power within us, and we've got to know that wherever we go, we have influence. 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 You say, well, I haven't seen that kind of thing happen through my life yet. You may not see it in the way that as I've experienced, Okay. But there's still his power, his love is at work and flowing through you. And what I want to encourage us today is no, in, 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 in this is that you can have a significant impact, but you want to expect it. Expect it. Expect it. Dream possibilities of how God will impact coworkers, fellow students, other kids in the neighborhood, or whatever the case may be. Now, it's interesting. Here's a little story. And I won't read all of it, but in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11, Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret uh, with the people crowding around listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats and left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. And 
And he said, get into one of these boats, or he got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down my nets. The fourth song we sung this morning, something about his word, and because you said it, I've... I, it's so, or I believe it, or something along that way. That, that fourth song. Powerful couple lines, you know. Your word is true, I believe it. And uh, when they had done so, they caught a large number of fish, so large that their nets began to break, and they signaled their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled their boats so full they began to seek sink when Peter saw this he fell at Jesus' knees and he said go away from me Lord I'm a sinful man now this wasn't a rejection of Jesus this was actually such an act of humility he was so overwhelmed by the glory of his presence and his manifested power here's a carpenter's son who knew nothing about fishing they were the fishing experts and yet Jesus comes down and says oh cast your nets on the other side of the boat and all of a sudden their nets are overflowing and they knew this was an encounter of the third kind. This was not the norm of their lives. And so Peter immediately is like, oh my goodness. Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to catch men. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. Now, Peter had a change of heart. You see, because of who you are as a son or daughter with the Holy Spirit, when you walk into the room, you change the equation because of who you know, because of what you carry. You're a glory carrier. See, you, you got to see yourselves as this. This is really huge, guys. By God's grace, I was able to catch this early on in life and understood that I wasn't just a little worm in the dust, just kind of wiggling around trying to find my way. I began to understand that the greater one Jesus was within me. I was a temple of the Holy Spirit. Wow, God's in me. Jesus by his spirit is in me. Not only is he there to shape my life, but he's there to flow through me to have impact on other people's lives. And so <clears throat> everything could be stacked against a person or a group of people and you walk into the room and it can be a game changer right there. Your very presence, your very presence because of who you are as a son, you're a daughter of the most high God. You're not just one more of the 7.6 billion on the earth. You are a son or you a daughter and Christ is in you. The glory of his presence is like a, can be an all-consuming fire. See, that's why. That's why, kids, teenagers, you've got to say this. You, you, you don't want to live your life and at the end of your journey, sit in a rocking chair someday and go, yeah, well, you know, I remember as a kid, I kind of heard about God and all the possibilities, but, well, boy, I've never seen it in my life, so here I am. I just worked hard all of my life, and now I'm sitting in a rocking chair, and, and well, you know, I, I don't know all about that religious stuff for sure. Man, you don't want that to be your story. As you want your life, and you want to look back and go, wow, 
I hungered and thirsted after God. My, there was nothing of a greater priority than to be filled with the glory of God's presence. I did, and God worked through me in ways sometimes that I just go like, wow. He brought influence here in a very gentle way. Just through my smile, there was something that happened. Through a handshake, through a hug, uh, working with a coworker. And after five years, one day that coworker says, you know, I, I don't know what you have, but I got to have what you have. You say, well, I haven't had that happen yet. See, we need to expect that to happen. See, because this thing of moving and walking with Jesus is a walk of faith. Whatever we believe is what we wind up experiencing. If I really believe that I'm a son and I'm a daughter and I'm filled with the glory of his presence and I know and have confidence that I'm going to see God's presence and power work through my life, you will see it. And it'll look uniquely different from me to you, from you, from one another. But it will be God at work. And it doesn't have to be grandiose or dramatic. But you will know and you will see the fruit thereof. You've got to keep your heart hunger. You've got to keep your heart stirred up. You see, we never just want to be just Sunday morning Christians, do we? And I mean, it's like, come on, that's not a life of fulfillment. You say, well, I'm going to come Sunday morning and have a nice worship time, and we're going to hear a little word, and it's like get all built up, and then all week long we just flatline. And, oh, I can't, and it'll pick me up Sunday morning. We come back again. We get all stirred up a little bit. No, 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 no. I'm telling you what, every day can be a good ride, a good walk with Jesus. Yeah. So I'm not suggesting that, that you're not living there. I'm encouraging you to keep, keep going for it. And if you're not there yet, if you're not living in that place where the glory of his presence is all-consuming thing, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to say, man, let your heart, keep your heart hungry for more of him. You know, the Holy Spirit is imprisoned in unbelieving believers who are not willing to take the risk to demonstrate the power of God. And we don't want the Holy Spirit to be imprisoned in us, do we? No, man, we want him to flow through us. You know, Jesus, he... He returned from Galilee after being uh, sent into the wilderness. And uh, there he experienced the enemy, the devil, who came to him. And, and, um, and, and this was not a time for his potential defeat, but this was a time for, for the Spirit of the Lord to manifest the victory that had already been provided for Jesus to walk in. And it says he returned in the power of the Spirit. It wasn't too long after that. We read about it in Mark chapter 4 where Jesus is just moving through a crowd one day and this lady that had been hemorrhaging and such, she, she says, I got to get to Jesus. If I could just but touch in the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. So finally she got up through the crowd. She wasn't even supposed to be there because she was hemorrhaging and, and he would not to be in public. And she got up there and she touched him. And Jesus, the, the scripture said, he said, uh, um, he says, it realized that power had gone out of him. He realized that power had gone out of him. You say, yeah, but that was Jesus. No, I'm telling you what, we're sons and daughters and we carry the same anointing and the same power. And so it's possible we can walk and you can feel the inflow of power and you can feel the power of God when it flows out of you. Yeah. And some of you know what I'm talking about and some of us are in process of learning and discovering a dimension of walking in the presence of God that is absolutely exhilarating. How to tell your neighbor he's preaching to you. <laughs> what did Jesus say? Jesus said, I want you to go wait in Jerusalem. He told the disciples until you receive power. 
He didn't say this is an exclusive for only you guys. This is for all people. Receive the power of the Lord. Receive the... Now that tells me something. If Jesus is telling them that you need to go and position yourself to receive, it means we have the option of not receiving. Interesting. It's not just automatic. I'm just going to live my life and, oh, yeah, I love God. And, oh, no, no, no. They had to go and strategically position themselves. And they spent time before him so they could receive the power. And you know what the Apostle Paul said? The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, I want you to be filled, continually be filled with the Spirit. It's not a one-time encounter. It's a lifestyle. It's learning how to keep yourselves before the glory of his presence and to keep in that receiving mode. But you can't give away what you don't carry. So I've got to keep receiving. I've been receiving all week, and I'm sitting over here off the side this morning, and we're worshiping. I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm receiving. I'm receiving some more. Oh, I want to receive more. I want to stay full. I don't want to get that place where the, 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 the level of the grace and anointing of the Spirit all of a sudden gets down to a real low ebb, and I'm just about to run dry. How many of you have ever been in a car that ran out of gas? Bump, 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 bump. There it is, and you're alongside the road. That's not a good day. That's not a fun experience, see? And sometimes spiritually, emotionally and such, we run out of gas because we hadn't been paying attention. Been too busy. Too busy doing good things for God and other people. And it's like, well, I got to take time to receive. I've got so much to do this week. I've got so much to do today. Oh, I need to take more time in his presence and make sure that I stay filled. That's what the Apostle Paul said. Come on, be ye filled continually with his presence. That means responsibility in our part. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm, oh, Sunday, I sure hope Scott has something good to share Sunday so I can get filled up. <laughs> and you walk away, well, it wasn't that amazing, so I don't know. I got partially filled I know I've been a pastor for 40 years, and I know sometimes when people come, and it's kind of like, well, you're the man of God on the platform. Now you should fill me up. I am to encourage. I am to a challenge and such, but I can't fill you. I can encourage. I can exhort, but you have to fill yourself. And that starts as kids. Yeah, Oscar, at your age and such, and you, you guys right there, you, you're just, Clayton, you're just a great age, and you're just like, Okay, God, fill me up. Fill me up. Because, man, I want all of God I can get. You can't afford to move through life with, with on secondhand faith. Well, because my mama and my papa and my brother was a Christian, you know, that's going to work for me. Well, that's a nice thought, but it doesn't pan out too well. You got to pursue Jesus yourself. Everybody okay this morning? Can I have a few more minutes? It is unnatural for a Christian to not have a ravenous appetite for Jesus and the supernatural. It's unnatural. It's normal to have an appetite for God. It's normal. And if you're not really hungering, if you don't find yourself really hungry for God, 
be concerned for you. Yeah. And I mean that in the most sweetest, innocent way because it can happen to any of us. Sometimes it happens to people because of stuff happens in life that causes pain, that causes us to be disillusioned. It's like confusing. I don't understand this. Why this? Why that? And we can begin to close back and the enemy says, yeah, that's right. It's not working out too well being a Christian, is it? Yeah, look at that other person. It didn't work for them. What makes you think it'll work for you? And then the lies of the enemy begin to creep in. If you begin to buy in or entertain it, after a while, you can become just a little bit lukewarm and your heart starts drifting a little bit. And after a while, you're not even feeling hungry anymore. How many of you know that when you get sick in your body, you don't feel hungry, do you? If you have a bad case of the stomach flu, you don't feel hungry anymore. It's a dangerous thing when spiritually, mentally, emotionally, we don't really feel hungry anymore. Well, what's the solution? Somebody else going to come along and force you to? No. What you want to do is, what you want to do is, is have the kind of courage and it takes guts and courage sometimes to go to someone who's going to be safe. They're not going to condemn you. They're not going to put you down or make you feel like a loser. I know at least two people in this room who are encouraging Scott and Tammy, and I'm sure there's others of you in this room who you're safe people to go to. And if I were feeling really dry, I could sit down with Scott or Tammy and say, guys, I'm just feeling dry. I'm not even feeling hungry for God anymore. I'm a little afraid. That's scary. It's scary. I'm starting to think funny thoughts like I don't know if God's even real anymore because this happened, that happened, and, and such. And I'm, I'm, I don't know what to do with it, but I, I don't feel like I want to let this go too long because I don't want to wind up on the outside and watch life pass me by and me miss my opportunity to have a, a full-on glorious life. Scott, can you guys pray for me? Say, can, can you pray for me? Can Man, this stuff happened, and you say... And, and so we, we need people. Now, at our church, for, for those of you, you you haven't been around it, this is a high priority for us in our church, and that is creating a safe zone, a safe place where we can all say none of us have it all together. We are all a beautiful work in process, every one of us, including me. I'm on this journey of adventure. I'm on this journey of discovery. I don't have it all together. And I know that there's other people around me who have that same heart. But together, we move together. We walk together. And when one of us goes through a point or season of disappointment and you start feeling like letting up and you feel your heart drifting and you feel coldness begin to set in and such, there's other people around say, man, let's stand together with you. And let's get you healed up. Let's get the lies broken in your life that the enemy has infused into you. So that's one way to get a cold heart. And you lose desire. And when you lose desire, you can't move in the power of his presence. Because your desire is going cold, see? Another way is when life is just busy. Nothing trauma or traumatic has happened, but you're just busy enjoying maybe the good life. Everything is going so well, you're like, wow. And it's on to bigger and better dreams and everything is unfolding. And oh, wow. And you're just amazed. And one day you're realizing, I don't have that hunger anymore, that desire for Jesus like I used to have. And Jesus is saying, man, I want you to come back. 
I want to be the, I, I, I want, Jesus says, I want you to have me as your first love. And, and Jesus said, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Will you let me back in? I want to have that close place of fellowship because I want you to be an instrument of glory and righteousness that's going to impact other people's lives. I don't want you to go get to the end of your journey and then have regrets because you didn't burn bright and hot for the glory of God. We never want to reduce our ministry and influence just down to using our gifts. God gives every person unique and beautiful gifts. And you can learn and become skillful in using your gifts and have some good influence and have positive things happen about your life. But I'm telling you what, gifts that are used out of a place of the glory of God's presence that so fills and consumes your soul and your heart and your life will have far greater influence and affect people for generations to come. What I want, when I, when, I, when I pass from this life, I plan on a good 30 years yet. Man, I'm telling you what, I'm just revved up. But when I pass from this life, what I want is people to be able to exceed the ongoing legacy of my life. And I want people who have been privileged to, to that I've, I've been privileged with, and they've been privileged to hang around me. They're like, wow, man, I learned something just by watching him. I felt because of his passion, man, something got infused into me, and it goes from one generation to the next and to the next until Jesus comes. Every one of us can have that kind of influence. You see, it's, it starts today. And for you young ones, you kids, Now's the time you want to cultivate that. Families, we got to create the atmosphere of his presence. Every morning I was a kid growing up, my dad would gather us around the kitchen table and we'd pull out the scriptures and we'd the scriptures and we'd begin to sing worship to Jesus every morning. Every morning. And I'm telling you what, there was a release of life and glory and presence Grew up with it, cultivated it. What? But I couldn't just ride on my dad's faith, my mom's faith. I had to cultivate it myself. I had to stir it up within myself. I, I want my mind so renewed. I want his desires to become my desires. Now, let me tell you this. This is what's really cool. When you have this closeness with the Lord that every person can have, and my hunch is that many of you in this room, if not all of you, you already have that. But if you don't, you can. But in that place of intimate flow with the Lord, and by the way, that's the macho thing, guys. There's some kind of a lie of the devil out there. Well, if you're really cool and macho, you know, you don't need that. Yeah, you're right. You don't need religious stuff. But I'm telling you what, the ultimate cool is to be so filled with the power of God that when you walk and you walk into a room and good things happen, people's bodies get healed and people bow on their knee and receive Christ as Savior. Wow, now you're making an eternal impact. 
See, in our Western culture, we have a certain mindsets of certain things that are macho and cool and such. And you may have influence for a moment, but it's temporary. It won't have eternal impact, and you won't leave a legacy, see? So the ultimate cool is having the power of God flow in you. That where actually demons begin to tremble. Demons begin to tremble. I remember a few years ago, Danette and I... Our family, we had gone down. We live about 50 minutes, right, right from the Oregon coast there. And it's a huge tourist place where huge numbers of people come from all over the states. And, and they come there because of all the many, many, many beaches we have. And so, and so we pulled up to this wall. It's a, it's a familiar uh, uh, wall where people like to come and view. And some of you have been there, Depot Bay. And uh, we pulled up, got out of our car, and we're standing along the wall. And we had just been basking in the glory of his presence all week long. And uh, a couple cars down, this other, uh, these people got out, and this one lady gets out, and um, she was demonized. And all of a sudden, man, well, as soon as she sensed the glory of his presence on us, man, all of a sudden there's a collision. So she's manifesting all kinds of demonic stuff right there on the spot because she, there's this collision. I wish we'd had an opportunity, but she took and she fled, man. She ran from the glory of his presence. I've, had, I've seen it already where we we walking through. I had one day I was sitting in a restaurant and um, I was waiting to meet somebody. And this guy comes from across the restaurant and he comes over to him and says, Wow, man, I don't know what's going on, but it's like this big glow around you. I just had to come over and introduce myself. I said, yeah, how you doing, man? Yeah. And I reached out and shook his hand. He said, whoa, dude, I felt that. I felt that, yeah. <laughs> I said, yeah, Jesus, he does that stuff sometimes. Talk to me. Hey, where's your heart at? Well, you know, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, you know, I, I believe in God and everything. And so we had a nice little visit for a little bit and I said, can I pray for you? He said, yeah, I don't know. I don't, can I just join your hand? Well, yeah, I don't know about that. I said, okay, we, we won't join your hand. But just, I'll just, how about, I, I just, I'll just sit here. I won't. Okay, I prayed to him. I said, Lord, I just bless him. He said, man, dude, man, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling that. It was an introduction to the glory of his presence. Eh? You see, guys, this, this kind of things, it looks different for every person, but it can be the norm of our lives. His power, his presence moving through us. Now, i got to read this scripture yet. Scott's getting hungry, so I won't keep him too long. Je <laughs> Jesus made this statement in Mark chapter 11 and verse 22. And I'm, I'm gonna, I, I memorized all these passages in King James. I don't use King James much anymore. But, and so, but in, in King James, it says, What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have them. What things soever you desire. What? Jesus said this. He's speaking it to people who had embraced him. He speaks it to us today. He says, what's your desire? What do you desire? I know some people get a little nervous and they go, oh, my, but my desires, I'm not sure if they're, they're good, good desires. Well, I'm telling you what, you hang around Jesus for a while and your desires will be his desires. And his desires become your desires. And he trusts you with the desires that have been released into you because you're being shaped and molded after him as his son or daughter. What do you desire? 
Desire his power, desire his glory, desire to be a vessel through whom he works in the workplace, in the neighborhood, and wherever God has given you influence. Desires. Okay, gotta listen carefully. I'm gonna kind of wrap this thing up here in a bit. Whatever or whomever I'm in close communion with becomes the father of my desires. Ooh, I think about that one now. Okay. Remember, you can't move and experience the power of God manifested through your life without having the desires of your heart in connection with our Lord. Whatever you spend time thinking about, meditating on, pondering in your heart, Will, 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 will create a desire of some sort, of some kind or another. Who you hang out with in close communion with will have a significant effect on the kind of desires that you wind up with. Now, will it be the kind of desires that will move to the manifestation and the display of God's love and power through your life? Or will it be desires that actually play into the hand of the enemy of your soul and block the flow of life? It can go one way or the other. If I ponder past hurts and pain, disappointments, if that's what I ponder and that's what I commune with and that's what I think about, it'll conceive desires that are not aligned with heaven's perspective. And it'll attract other people who are also hurt and bitter. And pretty soon now, you have the blind leading the blind and we both fall in the ditch, so to speak. So I need to be careful. If I feel insignificant to others, and if I don't feel I'm highly valued by God or other people, and I continue to meditate on that, and I have communion with those kind of thoughts, that will father my desires for attention. Somebody needs to pay some attention to me in life. And that can be played out in Different ways. It can be played out in different ways. It can cause us to act in unseemly ways because we want attention, because we meditated on and had fellowship with thoughts about I'm insignificant, I'm insignificant, I'm not highly valued. And if I'm going to be valued, I've got to make myself known. I've got to put myself on display for some, that's, I got to put my body on display or whatever the case may be. And then it just thwarts that whole beautiful flow of God's plan in life. So whatever or whomever we fellowship with will birth desires. So the question is, what do you spend your time thinking about? Well, I got to ask myself that again and again. What am I... What am I thinking about? Am I thinking, I spend a lot of time just thinking about how, 
how, how, how I've been treated unfairly, been misunderstood. I have. I assume all of us have. And if you haven't yet, sometime in your life you will. It's a bummer. I hate it when it happens. You're misunderstood. Maybe falsely accused. But if that's what you just spend your time thinking about, it's going to birth wrong kind of desires. Sometimes the desire is, okay, I'm just going to go hide in a cave. Sometimes the desire is, I'm going to have to make myself known, take the bull by the horns, and I'm going to set some order here of my own. That doesn't usually work out too well. What do you spend time thinking about? Who are you hanging out with all the time? See, you become like, those you hang out with, who you hang out with, who are your best friends? Now, obviously, we never reject family members, okay? Never. And sometimes we can have family members that maybe aren't in a, in a real healthy thing. We certainly don't reject family. But, I, you know, those, those kind of things are not optional, okay? But we've got to find people who carry the desires of our Heavenly Father and who have His passion. I've got to find some people like that to hang around or I'm going to have the wrong kind of desires birthed in my heart. Then there's going to be an outcome that's going to cost me dearly and could be damaging to other people's lives. So I've got to be monitoring about my desires. Yeah, sometimes... Well, let me just say this, Okay. I'm going to wrap this up. We, we have to have our desires that are formed out of that place of fellowship with him. And uh, you'll know that your desires are on track and your mind is renewed when the impossible begins to seem logical. Oh, there's a good one. When you begin to dream about possibilities, you know you're on track. If you find yourself overwhelmed by life and you're feeling like insignificant, that you're not having much influence, if things start feeling hopeless, wow, you've got to get yourself around some possibility thinkers. People whose hearts are like, you know, maybe a little better place than where you're at. And, and, and you've got to like get yourself close to them and, and, and let the desires of the Father who, who, will, who will birth within you possibility thinking. Because that's pretty important. We've got to come to, to, to uh, repentance. And you know what repentance ultimately is? Repentance isn't just about turning towards God to get our sins forgiven so we can go to heaven. Now, that can be a part of, but repentance is about having our heart shaped with heaven's perspective. And when my heart and my mind and my soul is shaped with heaven's perspective then I can live out to the fullest of my calling as a son or a daughter. And so it's about the kingdom of heaven being the dominant factor of my life. I've got to read this scripture with you, and we're done. Ephesians 1. I pray the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. The power is the same as, he, as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Seated in heavenly places is not a phrase shared with us to give us theological comfort. But it's really a 
heavenly reality that is intended for us to receive, to launch us into the realm of life with Jesus, living by the power of his spirit. It's his presence, it's his spirit, it's his love that keeps us safe, that heals our hearts, heals our bodies, and allows us to be able to move forward with bold confidence. Expect the glory of his presence. Expect the glory of his presence to not only transform you, but to transform others. Just expect it. Expect it. Don't wait for the man of God. You are the man of God. You are the woman of God. You are the child of God. It's not the person on a platform or the person on a TV screen or, well, maybe they are, but you are too. You're just as much a man of God or a woman of God. You're created one. And, and, and we all get to, to, to join this, this big party. It's, it's, it's a spiritual party. Expect the glory of his presence to, well, to transform people on the street. Francis of Assisi, an Italian lover of God, he lived from 1182 to 1226. He said, preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. If necessary, use words. Sometimes we demonstrate God's love and power, just kindness, a smile, a handshake, opening a door for someone. Somebody drops a paper, you pick it up, the paper, here. Wow, really? Yeah, that's so powerful. All of us can do that. Every one of us. Every one of us can give a smile. Every one of us can give a word of encouragement. Say, oh, I'm not highly prophetic. Ah, don't, 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 don't get all hung up on that. You can speak words of kindness. You can speak words of cheer. Your influence probably has already gone much further than you realize. Dream about the possibilities. Let your desires be shaped by what and who you commune with and then expect God to flow through you in ever-increasing dimensions. In Jesus' name, let's all lift our hands. Come on, let's extend our hands up. Kids, come on, all of us. Guys, right here in the front row, let's do something that's really an act of our humility because I know it's all in our hearts. Here I am, Lord. Fill me, Lord. Can I lead us all in a prayer? Could you guys just like pray a prayer after me? Kids, come and join in with me too. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus I receive you. I receive your love. I receive your power. Fill me this day to overflowing. Let the desires of my heart be shaped according to heaven's desires. Let your power flow through me in ways and dimensions beyond that I imagine or think. Thank you that I get to be a part of what you're doing in my neighborhood and in my city. 
And everybody said amen. amen. Lord, now I'm thanking you, Lord, for an anointing upon every... Would you just take your hand and put it on your head? Lord, I'm asking that you will shape our thinking. Shape our thinking to where we're consumed with God thoughts. And renegade thoughts that are there in our heads that have come there planted by the enemy. I pray that be eradicated, be gone in Jesus' name. And I pray for the release of God thoughts. God thoughts produces mighty men and mighty women of God. Let my mind be consumed with God thoughts. Let my heart be filled with God desires. Let my life be a living testimony to the glory of God. In Jesus' name. Someday when you're gone, you want it to be said, wow, she was amazing. What was so amazing about her? She just passionately loved God. She was always encouraging and had good things to say about people. She served others. Wow, she really impacted so many and she was like a little light. That can be spoken about every one of us. Man, what kind of a guy was he anyhow? Well, he was just a hard-working old boy. Well, that's good. What else? Oh, yeah. Not only was he hard-working, this guy was carried the joy of Jesus. And, man, when he would walk into the lunchroom at work... I don't know, but sometime when we could just feel something that was extraordinary. One day, one of us had a had an injured foot, and he said, "Well, can I pray for it, man?" Dude, I'm telling you what, man, I saw God heal it right there. Man, I remember him. Man, I don't know, man, it impacted our hearts, and geez, I went home and talked to my kids about it, and they said, "Really, Dad?" And well, well, are you going to become like him? And you get where I'm going. Let the stories go on from generation to generation. You are a beautiful story. And there's several chapters already been written about your life. Just imagine what the rest of the book could look like of the story of your life. I bless you in Jesus' name. Thanks for the opportunity to share today. I love you all.